Thanks so much for joining with me on the podcast today. You know, today we are in Proverbs chapter 28. Proverbs chapter 28 holds so many keys to life, so many principles, so many concepts, so many things that we can embrace as, as the truth for our life. And today, I'm going to encourage you to do what we have been doing now. Uh, this is the 28th day. I'm going to encourage you to listen to the Word of God, open up your heart, and I'm going to encourage you as well to find some principle within this chapter for today's meditation, to meditate on, to think on, to turn over in your life, to really explore, to investigate, uh, you know, a, a, a biblical scholar term, to exegete. You know, uh, take a scripture and, and, and take it apart and uh, uh, take it apart dynamically, word by word, concept by concept, phrase by phrase, even syllable by syllable, as we do in the Greek and the Hebrew, and to find out what made the word, to find out where the word came from, to find out uh, where that concept got its uh, uh, got its beginning. Where is the first time in the Bible that this is mentioned, and how many times is it referred to throughout the Word of God, Old Testament and New Testament? What did Jesus have to say about this particular? wisdom that Solomon as a king here in Israel, a, a thousand years before Christ, what did Jesus have to say about it? How did Jesus bring greater revelation and greater expectation to the word which King Solomon had gleaned from observation and from experience, but yet Jesus is that word. He was the living example of the word. You know, one of the reasons why Jesus came is simply because the representation of God before Christ, the representation of God's word was cold, dead stone. It was just a shadow, the Bible says, of the real word of God. Jesus being that word, but the word of God written on tables of stone, it was a cold, dead shadow. It had no life in it. It could not, uh, 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 it, it, it could not soothe or comfort. All it could do was judge. And the Bible said that if the law would have been capable of achieving what God wished through the blood of bulls and goats and sacrifices, which could never make the comers thereunto righteous or right with God or holy. But if it could have, then Jesus would not have had to come and spill his blood for a new and living covenant. This new and living covenant in Christ is a living word. That's right a living word. The word took upon flesh. Now, the word of God is not different. It was just a shadow of the word. The law written in stone was, was, was a, a cold shadow that could not embrace, that could not love, that, that, that in many ways could not even explain itself. And through the years, many people, in fact, still today, people trying to explain the law often add tenets 
and, and do exactly what God said he didn't want done. They end up making traditions, vain traditions of men. Jesus said, you do err, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. Now they knew the law, but they did not know the living word. When Jesus would say, well, you have heard it said, or you have read, or you know, or you know you, uh, that, that this is what it says, but... I say to you, you know, he was explaining. He was, he, he was the living word. Aren't you glad that we have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us? We now have the writer of the word. Who better to explain to you what is written than the one who wrote it? The writer of the word of God, the Holy Spirit, the one who penned these words through the expression of a man with the help of the mechanics of the Apostle Paul or Solomon or, or Moses or, or one of the prophets or King David or, 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 or the Apostle Peter, the one who, who uh, 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 was used by God to pen it, to do the mechanics filled with the Holy Spirit and the dynamics of God, but yet it was by the inspiration of the Almighty that these words were penned. And believe me when I tell you that these words have power, the power of God. How wonderful it is today for us to have a living word on the inside of us and, and the Holy Spirit to guide us and teach us. In fact, Jesus said, when that Holy Spirit comes, he, uh, you will not need that any man teach you, but he will guide you. He will be your teacher. He will lead you into all truth. And that's what's going to happen today. As I'm reading this word to you, as I'm reading these, these words that are written on, on pages, you know, with ink and, 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 and pen, as I'm reading them to you, as the everlasting word of Almighty God, the Holy Spirit will bring revelation and illumination to you and inspiration to you. You know, we are not refrigerators to preserve what God did. We are incubators, okay, to hatch the plan and to, and to develop and to allow the word of God a living expression in our life. Now, it's not going to mean anything different than it did when God first said it. Don't get me wrong here, okay? We're not uh, reinterpreting the word of God in every generation to fit its culture, custom, or mores, or anything else. We serve one true and living word. It's just that today we understand it. The Bible says in the days of Samuel, you can read it in, in 1 Samuel, that the word of God was precious because there was no open revelation. You know, people heard the word of God, but they didn't really understand it. You know, uh, that, that carries on even today in the lives of many. But by the power of the Holy Spirit today, you can understand and embrace exactly what God meant as we read the words that Solomon penned in Proverbs 28. Wow, we've already learned a lot in this seven minutes and 45 seconds so far that we've been in this podcast. Doesn't time fly? Well, let's get to Proverbs chapter 28. You ready? Uh, hopefully you can read along with me and follow along with me. And if not, then listen to the word of the Lord. I'm reading from the King James Version, Proverbs 28. The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. For the transgression of a land, many are the princes thereof. 
but by a man of understanding and knowledge the state thereof shall be prolonged. A poor man that oppresseth the poor is like a sweeping rain which leaveth no food. They that forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law contend with them. Evil men understand not judgment, but they that seek the Lord understand all things. Better is the poor that walketh in his uprightness than he that is perverse in his ways, though he be rich. Whoso keepeth the law is a wise son, but he that is a companion of riotous men shame his father. He that by usury and unjust gain increases his substance, he shall gather it for him that will pity the poor. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. Whoso causeth the righteous to go astray in an evil way, he shall fall himself into his own pit, but the righteous shall have good things in possession. The rich man is wise in his own conceit, but the poor that hath understanding searcheth him out. When righteous men do rejoice, there is great glory, but when the wicked rise, a man is hidden. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Happy is the man that feareth always, but he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief. As a roaring lion and a ranging bear, so is a wicked ruler over the poor people. The prince that wanteth understanding is also a great oppressor. But he that hateth covetousness shall prolong his days. A man that doth violence to the blood of any person shall flee to the pit. Let no man stay him. Whoso walketh uprightly shall be saved, but he that is perverse in his ways shall fall at once. He that tilleth his land shall have plenty of bread, but he that followeth after vain persons shall have poverty enough. A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. To have respect of persons is not good. For for a piece of bread that man will transgress. He that hasteth to be rich hath an evil eye, and considereth not that poverty shall come upon him. He that rebuketh a man afterwards shall find more favor than he that flattereth with the tongue. Whoso robbeth his father or his mother, and saith, It is no transgression, the same is companion of destroyer. He that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife, but he that putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool, but whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. He that giveth unto the poor shall not lack, but he that hideth his eyes shall have many a curse. When the wicked rise, men hide themselves, but when they perish, the righteous increase. Again, Proverbs 28, so filled 
with such wisdom, such opportunity for us to receive wisdom and apply this wisdom to our life. Today, we're going to make application of one verse of one concept that we find in verse 13 of chapter 28. Verse 13 says this, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. He that covereth his sins. You know, the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. We are called to cover sins by love. We are called to cover other people's sins. We are called by God to make sure that we do not reveal secrets to others or, or become busybodies or talebearers or that we do not pursue or seek out other men's sins or, or be, become investigators of, of other men's lives, trying to find something that we could have on them or hold against them or, or some way to point out the iniquity of others. We should not and should never be on a search for sin or on a search for unrighteousness. We should not and we should never be on a search for ungodliness except that candle that we hold while we search be shining upon our own lives. You see, the spirit of a man, the Bible says, is the candle of the Lord. And the only search for sin that we should have is a search within our own house, within our own lives. It's a picture of what the Jews do even today as they have done for thousands of years, 3,500 plus years. The Jews have observed a certain element of Passover. And in the Passover feast, in this feast of unleavened bread, during this feast of, of, of Passover every spring of every year since, uh, since the 15th day of the month on the Jewish calendar named Nisan, in which the children of Israel came out of Egypt by a mighty hand, led by Moses, delivered by God from the bondage in Pharaoh, since that time... They have been continually observing a natural experience which should be reflected upon our spiritual experience. For on the night of Passover that they are called to celebrate, on that night uh, beginning the Feast of Unleavened Bread, on that night they send their children today you know, in days gone by, no doubt, uh, adults and, and uh, you know, uh, everyone participated. But today it's a thing in, in, in traditional Jewish families that are observant. They send their children on a search through the house with a candle, with a feather, and with a, with a paper sack or something of that kind. And what they are looking for is bread, a normal type of bread that has been baked after it had been allowed to rise because of the yeast that was in it, the leaven that was in it. The self 
rising kind of bread where it rises up and then you bake it. That's right. Uh, parents, in fact, even hide it. Uh, uh, adults hide it throughout the home just prior to that because in the in the week uh, or, or 10 days prior to Passover, the adults have gone through the home. They, they even go through every restaurant that, 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 that is kosher and, you know, every hotel and they go through it with a fine tooth comb. They remove all the leaven as the Bible, as, as, as God God told him, remove the leaven from your house. Remove all of the yeast, all of the leaven, all of that which causes you to be puffed up and all of that which causes you to run. It symbolizes the carnality. It symbolizes that which sin does in our life and that which, which our own uh, accolades and our, our, our own dependency upon our own life represents. And here they go through uh, their, their, their homes, all the adults do, and, and get everything clean in all the days prior because it is a part of the commandment and a part of the tradition. Okay? and a part of the natural experience of Passover where the blood of the lamb is shed upon the doorpost of the heart and the angel, a doorpost of the house and the angel of death passes over yeah, all those who have the blood of the lamb on their house. And uh, uh, then they have their children on that night of the beginning, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. They have their children, uh, uh, they hide a little bread in their house. They have their children go through with a candle, seeking it out, symbolizing exactly what our spiritual responsibility is today. That as we are the candle of the Lord and as the word of God is a lamp to our feet and a light on our path and as we are the house of God, it behooves us because of the blood of the lamb that has been placed on the doorpost of our house, on our heart, on our life because the angel of death has passed over us and we have passed from death unto life. It behooves us to search out our own lives, to find the sin, the unrighteousness, the ungodliness, to find the places, the carnality in our life, to find the places to where we are, are are, are puffed up where we have self-rising instead of God-rising to find the place in our life that is unpleasing to God and to sweep that out of our life, to cleanse our life from ungodliness and unrighteousness so that we might be righteous before God. You see, uh, that's uh, what he's talking about here, that he that covers sins shall not prosper. We should only be on a search for sins when we're searching for sin in our own life. We should only be uh, pursuing uh, um, um, the revelation of sin in our own life. And as we do, those who cover their own sins, we're supposed to cover others, but those who cover their own sins are not wise. But whoever confesses them, whoever agrees with God and forsakes them. You know what they do? They sweep that leaven into that little paper sack with that feather. Then they put all of that in that paper sack, wrap it up and put it out of the house. It's it's a big deal. It's a big part of Passover. It's a big part of our lives. Since we have been saved by the blood of the Lamb, it's important that we not cover our sins, but that we search them out agree with God, confess them, and forsake them, get them out of our lives. Well, uh, meditate on that today. How is it that you can, you know, not, he's not telling you to expose your sin to all of mankind. He's not telling you that. He's telling you to take a journey with God through your life and find your sin. Don't hide it from God. Don't think you can, and then confess it. You know, agree with God, tell him you're sorry and then turn from it and don't do it anymore. 
That's all he's asking. That's what Solomon is saying, and that's what I'm saying to you today. Meditate on that, okay? It's not wise to, to, to cover your sin, and you can't cover it from God. Now, I'm not talking about uncovering other people's sin, but only discovering yours between you and God alone and then confess it and forsake it. When you sin, as David said in Psalms 51, you sin against God alone, okay? Uh, when, when the prodigal son sinned, he sinned against his father only. He did not go and repent to his brother, but to his father, okay? Take your sins to your father, God. Confess and forsake them. And watch, you will have mercy. God's a merciful God. That's his hope. That's his end. That's what God was going for all along. Not just to, you know, find sin, un uncover sin in your life so that he could condemn you or judge you or criticize you or, 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 or put you out with a sin. But rather, if you'll do this, you will have mercy. Don't you want some mercy? Well, uh, uh, join me with this prayer, okay? Let's just pray. God, Lord, we thank you, God, that you help us, Lord, to search out, Lord, the inner parts of our own life, our minds, Lord, our, our, our motives, God. And Lord, uh, uh, why we do what we do, Lord, is sometimes more important than why, or excuse me, than what we are doing, God. Lord, I just pray, God, that you would help us on a journey, Lord, not seeking out the sins of others, Lord, or the unrighteousness, Lord, of others, but seeking out our own, God. Lord, that today, Father, we can apply this word to our life, Lord, confessing and forsaking, Lord, our sins, Lord, and asking you to forgive us, God. Cleanse us, Lord, and give us mercy, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, mercy, your word says, is greater than judgment. Mercy rejoices against judgment, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your mercies. They are new every morning. We love you, sir. Thanks so much. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Meditate on that word today, okay? Meditate on what it means to cover, to uncover, whose sins you're supposed to cover and uncover, what it means to forsake, what it means to confess, what it means to have mercy, okay? Take it apart. Look at it, okay? Hold the Word, the living Word, and let that Word express revelation, inspiration to you today in the name of Jesus. This Word is designed to last you a lifetime. I'll see you tomorrow for Proverbs 29.